Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of the Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. It's Friday, so I hope it's a payday for you, for you weekly and bi-weekly wage runners. Maybe it is. Looking forward to you, uh, you guys getting back to Starkville here. We had hoped to be there this weekend. As you guys are well aware, we're not playing Auburn this weekend. Part of a rash of games around the SEC that have been postponed due to COVID-related issues. I think it's important, too, to kind of take all that uh, in the proper context. We have not had a massive outbreak of positive tests at Mississippi State. We have had some positive tests, yes, but the bulk of these issues relate to contract tracing. And so as a result, you know, it's better safe than sorry. So when you have uh, players and personnel that uh, have been in contact with people who are infected, you remove them from uh, you know, from circulation. They're not around the other football players, not around the staffers, not around the complex. They're in quarantine. So be that as it may, uh, you, you, you got hung up here with, uh, you know, you don't have enough players to play a football game. And to be fair, and uh, I know many people maybe are kind of dancing around this issue, I don't think Mississippi State would have done really well this weekend considering uh, the players that are out. And uh, basically, you take last weekend's roster and then subtract a couple of guys off of that, and that's a team you would have played with. And that's not to throw shade at any of those guys. I know they're all working hard and doing their very best. But uh, with Auburn coming off a bye week and then the Bulldogs, you know, bouncing back from, uh, you know, a couple of difficult defeats there and beating Vanderbilt, but not necessarily in an impressive fashion. I mean, at the end of the day, you won the ball game, And so I'm, and there's no way of trying to diminish that that win. But I think you could beat Vanderbilt with a bit of a, uh, you know, a handicapped roster. I don't know that you can beat Auburn, especially a fresh Auburn team, even on the road uh, coming off of an open date. So those are the things that I think about. And I, I'm excited about what is to come. But uh, I admit to you that there it seems like, you know, every day, you know, right now, the Mississippi State Bulldog football experience, you're kind of waiting for the next shoe to fall. It always just kind of seems that way. And, uh, you know, we had some some news earlier this week on yesterday about an additional opt out. There's been rumors of others. And so we're going to address some of that on today's show. We're going to preview uh, the, the abbreviated schedule of the SEC, just three games being played now that four games have been postponed. And I suspect some of those will ultimately be canceled, uh, not because I expect uh, you know more infection, but I think it's going to be difficult unless they move some things around to put those games in. Now, any team that's not uh, involved in the, the title chase for the SEC championship, I mean, I guess theoretically we could play on the 19th. As it stands today, the Mississippi State-Auburn game has been postponed to December 12th, and so uh, that's what we need to prepare for. And so our next game, of course, is next weekend on the road at Georgia. Georgia, of course, of course kind of dealing with uh, some of the same issues we are, not playing Missouri this weekend. Missouri now has had their second game uh, postponed or, or rescheduled. So that's where things sit uh, as we sit today. 
is that, uh, you know, we're not playing. And so I, I was looking forward. I said, you know what? It's an unexpected weekend off. So I'll sit around and watch a bunch of SEC football, but there's not going to be a lot of SEC football to be played. And, and I think I saw, uh, you know, there's some of those guys out there, uh, you know, within the national media, they're keeping tabs and all the games that have been postponed or canceled or whatever. It seems a little bit macabre to me to do that sort of thing. You know, I guess it is what it is, and somebody probably needs to go ahead and track that. But, um, you know, all I know is that our game is postponed, and uh, that's the one that I care about the most. But, uh, yeah, to to, to think that we were going to be able to get through this season without some of the COVID chickens coming home to roost here in Star Vegas, probably a little bit naive. Probably a little bit naive. And I've had some people suggest, you know, Steve, what if – you know, what, what, what if we don't have enough players to play against Georgia? Well, then I guess the game's banged. Simple as that. I mean, we've got two road trips left and two scheduled home games uh, to kind of deal with. But, uh, you know, we'll kind of see how things develop. You know, it's a week-to-week deal. It's a day-to-day deal. And I think we're all kind of learning that now. It's like you can't take anything for granted because many of the things that you love have been postponed or canceled or are held with some type of limitations. Like we had the Mistletoe Marketplace in Jackson last week. They traditionally have between 30 and 35 people attend that event. And I understand it was closer to 15,000 this year, not because of a lack of interest, but because of safety protocols. They wanted to ensure that they could safely get people in. But listen, I'll be honest with you, there was no social distancing. There were a lot of people that wore masks and, uh, you know, they were compliant to all this sort of things. But, uh, you know, there were a lot of people crammed in there together. And I considered that myself. It's like, you know, I'm out here really at a big event for the first time. I'm, I'm a person that uh, is very social. And so I enjoy getting out and, you know, mingling with all of you and having a chance to visit. I love going to rock concerts and uh, kind of getting crammed in there like sardines and, uh, you know, raising our fist to the gods of rock. But uh, I haven't been to a show since March. There have been some a select few, and there's a lot of little smaller local venues that are having shows that are uh, open air and that sort of stuff. But I, yeah, I've just kind of felt like, you know what, I don't need to take any unnecessary risk. But getting out signing books, you know, it's uh, it's part of the deal. But um, yeah, I mean, there were times last week I was real careful. You know, I just thought, you know what, I, I can't afford to get sick. And I certainly don't want to bring any sickness home to my to my family. And so you know, you do the best you can, but a lot of that you're still kind of dependent on mercy and grace. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, you can do, you can take the best steps possible. And I, I have some friends that have been almost over the top compliant when it's come to this virus and uh, still have gotten sick. A good friend of mine just told me yesterday that, uh, you know, he is really just getting over COVID. He said it's the worst thing he's ever had. Absolute worst thing he ever had. And that the symptoms change pretty much every day. You know, one day it's, uh, you know, it's crippling nausea. The next day it's incredible body aches. And the next day it's high fever. And then there's a tightness and shortness of breath. And, and so I'm going to encourage you as always, protect yourself. Don't put yourself at risk. And a lot of people are saying, well, you know, it's you know, hospitalizations are down and deaths are down. So I think it'll be okay. And I've even had some friends say, well, their, you know, their spouse has gotten uh, COVID. So they almost wish they could get it too to kind of go ahead and get it over with. Uh, I don't wish that illness on anybody. I, I really don't. And I still can't explain why I haven't contracted it, considering the, the close proximity that I have been to some people that have been very, very, very ill. Uh, I think back to David Johnson, our good friend that uh, covers Ole Miss for the Ole Miss spirit with 247 Sports. I mean, we were in Nashville together for the 247 SEC conference. Uh, you know, we do that once a year. Dave sat next to me. 
the, the entire three days. We're there together. And, uh, and then within a week's time, you know, Dave's on a ventilator and I don't even get a fever. And uh, it's one of those things. I, I don't consider myself uh, immune by any stretch of the imagination. So I'm not deluding myself into thinking that I can't catch it. But it's just incredible to me to think how this, you know, this virus has, uh, has impacted people in different ways. I, you know, I've, I've had a daughter that has uh, tested positive for, for coronavirus and uh, she got a headache. And uh, that's after a West Coast flight. And so I think it might have just been jet lag with her. But it's incredible to think about all those things. But that's not why you came here today. You didn't come here to hear me talk about the virus, so we're not going to spend any more time on that. I want to remind you to Bulldog Burger Company. You want to find some of the things that are right in life, you'll find them right there at Bulldog Burger Company. Two locations to serve you right here on Stark Vegas, on University Drive here in Stark Vegas, and on Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. I'm going to encourage you again, listen, if you're looking for a little kick, try that Jalapeno Poppers Burger. It is a little different than what you've had elsewhere. It is very unique uh, to Bulldog Burger Company. Try the mission. I get the pico de gallo on the side when I get the mission. I think the mission is one of the elite burgers at Bulldog Burger Company. And, I, and my daughter-in-law, when, when she makes a trip down here, we always ask them, hey, where do you guys want to go eat? Well, I want to go to Bulldog Burger Company so I can get the mission. So those are things, you know, you'll find your own favorites there. But I always get the spring rolls for the appetizer. Always. They'll make you and everybody around you better looking, and we all need more of that. This weekend, if you're looking for a place to go watch games, go by Bulldog Burger Company. You can have an adult beverage. You can have a great quality meal. You can be surround yourself with other college football fans that uh, are just there to kind of have a good time. Maybe get that chocolate shake to go. Bulldog Burger Company, the place for people in Starville and now Tupelo go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, so big news yesterday out of Starville is that Marcus Murphy, uh, I'm a huge fan of Marcus Murphy, has opted out for the season. Now, there were some rumors back during the offseason. Once the, the opportunity to opt out, came up, there were some people that suggested, you know what, Marcus Murphy might take advantage of this situation, preserve his eligibility, remain in school because of his young son. You guys are well aware that uh, he needs a bone marrow transplant. It's been quite the ordeal. It's been an incredible year for Marcus Murphy. He's had a lot of tragedy to deal with. And so there was some speculation that he might opt out then. He elects not to, uh, comes back, and then it's kind of banged up for a couple ball games, kind of working back from a hamstring, if I remember correctly. And then we've had this recent, uh, you know, COVID situation here at State. We've had some positive tests, and now uh, Marcus has opted out. Uh, I respect the fact that Marcus is doing this for the right reasons. Now, is he back next year? I'm going to say probably no. I would love to have him back because I think, number one, it'd improve his draft stock. I think Marcus Murphy's an NFL player. I do. I I have always been a huge fan of his, uh, dating back to his days at West Point. He was a guy that kind of, you know, made the machine go there. Uh, Coach Chambliss and those guys do a great job, and Marcus was the star on some state championship teams there and will always be a legend in Point City. But um, he hasn't put his best foot forward on film yet. What I mean by that is is because he you know, he's played some really good football for Mississippi State, but he hasn't put together a full season. He hadn't had a chance to really go out there and work at safety for a full season and really show NFL people what he can do. Now, the NFL potential is still there, even though that the production has not been there. You know, he missed several games last year, uh, and then it was not 100% for a couple of games this year. I think Marcus Murphy is a difference maker in his defense, and I, I think not having him uh, is, is really a detriment to the Bulldog uh, defensive effort. And I think, if, not, if I'm not mistaken, we're down, what, five, six safeties now? It's incredible to think about how that group, though somewhat inexperienced, uh, has done a good job this year, but uh, – 
you know, we've had a lot of attrition at that position. You know, Dylan Lawrence, of course, uh, has season-ending surgery. He's done for the year. Uh, you know, C.J. Morgan's another guy that, uh, you know, still kind of rehabbing back from a major knee surgery in the offseason. I got t- torn up against Alabama last year. But you start working through this, and uh, you realize you're kind of getting to the bottom of the depth chart. And despite that, those guys are still playing pretty well. It'll be interesting to see what happens without Marcus Murphy out there in the rotation. Again, we wish Marcus the absolute best. This young man, over the course of the last year, has dealt with some things that uh, many adults don't have to deal with. I mean, you know, the joy of having a child and then to have that joy somewhat mitigated by the fact that, uh, you know, he has some medical issues that you're kind of having to work through and uh, you're kind of dependent on other people and pretty much a miracle. And so if, if you're interested, go to uh, bethematch.org and uh, you could potentially be a bone marrow donor for Marcus Murphy or for somebody else. There are a lot of people out there that are looking for, you know, life-saving bone marrow transplants. And so I think it's always a great thing when we can help other people. But uh, I have no, you know, there's a lot of the times when guys leave or transfer or whatever, and you begin to think, well, you know, he never really gave it a good effort. Uh, that's not really the case of Marcus Murphy. I think this is a guy that, this, this, that has made some mistakes, but also too has had some real misfortune. And so I think he is making an adult decision that is best for he and his family. Now, I also expect that he will probably apply for his NFL draft grade and feedback. I don't think that that is going to be overwhelmingly positive just because of the fact that he has not put together a full season. But I could see him probably, if he gets any indication that there's a real possibility that he may be drafted, I think he probably pursues that. It might be a mistake, but at the end of the day, I don't think it's fair for any of us to kind of sit in judgment. This is a young man now that is basically an independent. You know, he is basically on his own, uh, kind of paying his own way, and uh, and again has a young child that uh, that has some very serious medical issues. And so, uh, I think Marcus needs to do what's best for he and his family and his future. And I am very appreciative of his time here at Mississippi State, um, and and really, you know, expected a bigger career from him. And, but that's the thing that happens, you know, when we get recruits, you know, as you begin to think, okay, this guy's going to have a tremendous career. And that's what they project to be. And then you begin to think about, okay, well, then, then we have some injuries. Then we have some off-the-field uh, personal tragedies that we have to kind of impact with. And it's so difficult. One of the most difficult things to do in all of the world is to predict future human performance because you never understand the factors and the distractions that go along with that. And so Marcus Murphy has uh, endeared himself to Mississippi State people and the Mississippi State family. And I think most people, uh, you know, have really gotten to know Marcus, you know, through his son. And uh, it's one of those things, too, I guess, being a parent, you you understand everybody always says, well, do you want a boy or a girl? I just want a healthy child. That's kind of the beginning and end of the list. Yeah, I, I want a healthy child. And then when you see somebody like Marcus with so much potential uh, see something like this happen uh, to them, it makes it, there is a lot of empathy, you know, for guys like him and and uh, and he and the child's mother. And so my hope is that they will find the things that they need to to, uh, to get their family in a position where they can be very very successful. And while there have been some guys that have left the program, uh, you know, in recent weeks, and some of those have kind of been. Um, you know, because of some things they did, you know, and some mistakes they made, and you look at it and say, you know what, they did it to themselves. It's not the, that's not the case with Marcus Murphy. It's just not the case. Marcus Murphy hasn't been run off. He's not a cancer to your locker room. He's, you know, 
He's not a detriment to your team. But man, how would great would it have been to see him play? You know, four years at 100% health, um, and see what he could produce. I, I think the guy has a lot of ability. And uh, listen, I'll miss him being out there. My hope is that uh, you know maybe, maybe after a couple months and he kind of gets his feedback, he goes, you know what? Maybe I'm gonna go back and finish this thing up. Maybe I go back for one more year and improve my uh, my draft standing, complete my education. Uh, which would be tremendous and be wonderful things for both he and his family. But, uh, you know, it's kind of selfish of us when these guys, you know, opt out or declare for the draft and we think, you know, we want them back. And, yeah, we care about them, but at the end of the day, let's be honest, I mean, you know, it's really kind of a selfish thing. We say we want them back because we want Mississippi State football to be good. And in some situations, what's best for Mississippi State football may not be best for the individual themselves. And in this case, you know, it may be Marcus's time to get out and go make some money and take care of his family. And if if this is the moment – then we wish him the absolute best. Now, there have been some other rumors out there, and there always are. Anytime there's, a, It's incredible to me that anytime there is adversity, anytime, that all of a sudden these clandestine sources appear out of nowhere. All of a sudden, everybody has a source. Well, well, so-and-so opted out. Well, I heard so-and-so's going to opt out, and I heard so-and-so's going to opt out, and this guy and that guy, and this guy's mad, and this guy got his feelings hurt, and blah, 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 blah. It's incredible how that happens. There's never any accountability because if you recall back this summer, we went through some of the same thing and and many of the same people that told you Charles Cross was going to go to Ole Miss at Laurel High School, right? Remember that? But the same people that told you Charles Cross was going to transfer into the transfer portal this summer and go to Ole Miss, they're the same people telling you right now Charles Cross is going to opt out. Now, I'm told he's not going to opt out. But things change. So I'm not going to sit here and say that, hey, I can speak authoritatively about what a young man is deciding to do with his future because things change, just like in Marcus Murphy's situation. Marcus elects to stay in and then midway through the season decides, you know what, I, I, got, I got to make a decision for me and my family. And so that's not to say that we're done with attrition. That's not to say that at all. I can't sit here and tell you, you know, confidently that I know for certain that this is going to happen or it's not going to happen or this guy's going to stay or this guy's going to opt out or this guy's going to transfer because if anything 2020 has taught us that anything is possible. And a lot of it negative. I mean, a lot of it negative. Uh, but there were some reports we uh, among our Jeans Page staff we discussed on Sunday, Sunday evening, that there was a possibility that Marcus Murphy and another defensive player uh, could be considered opting out. And I contacted the other players – Family, just to say, hey, you know what, there's rumors going around this is happening. And, this, and the person in the family says, no, nah, that's not going to happen. And then he said, well, let me let me double check. You know, <laughs> and so they get back and say, yeah, I, th- I think everything is OK. You know, a lot of people are re- referencing the Sunday practice. And uh, I want to talk about that a little bit at length here uh, before we kind of move on. But, you know, the Sunday practice deal, you know, we win the game on Saturday. And uh, you know, I've, I've been told that, you know, hey, you know, we might have celebrated beating Vanderbilt a little bit too much. You know, and it's when you haven't won a ball game in five weeks, because we were over October, I can understand a little bit of irrational exuberance. You know, it's like, oh, it feels so good to win. It feels so good to win. I don't know if there's a better feeling, you know, in my life when we win at something. And I don't mean Mississippi State. I mean, you know, Gene's Page or my family. You know, when, when we have a chance to compete and win, there's nothing better than winning. And there's nothing worse than losing. And so after you've lost for a while, you've taken a string of L's, and you get an opportunity to win, 
you want to relish that a little bit. And so maybe perhaps we relish that victory a little bit too much. You know, one thing that I was told is like, you know, it's like, yeah, man, we, we created five turnovers on Saturday. That's true. It's true. We also gave up about 480 yards and nearly lost the ball game. Now, I'm not trying to sit here and speak negatively about the defense because they have bailed us out over and over and over again. They have played well above expectations the entire year. But when you win a ball game, that's when you really need to be critical. I don't mean to be critical to kind of beat everybody down and kind of give, give everybody a sour disposition. My point is, is that sometimes in victory, we begin to kind of glass over, glaze over our, uh, our, our deficiencies. We say, you know what, hey, you know, we didn't do this and we didn't do that, but we won the ball game. And that is a dangerous line of thinking. You know, and I give Jim Moorhead credit for this. One of the sayings that he had said, said regularly is that, you know, you, you can't accept in victory what you wouldn't accept in defeat. And that's kind of the moment I think we had on Sunday. Is you know, we come in and we're ready to practice. And I understand we had a very physical practice on Sunday, very intense practice. And I understand, hey, you know, listen, there were some people that, did, that didn't, didn't like it. And so that's part of the culture shift. You know, we talked about that last year, just before Jim Moorhead was terminated, is that we had a culture problem at Mississippi State. I said that on the show, one of the most listened to shows of the year, and some people of this year, and some people said, oh, you know, Steve, I think you're being a little bit hard on them. I even had some people within the football complex that said, hey, we don't have a culture problem here. Well, we did. We absolutely did. <laughs> and so part of that culture issue uh, is not necessarily generated with the players. You know, people live up to the expectations that you have for them. You know, if, we, if we're willing to accept 80% of somebody that's capable of greatness, then we're only going to get goodness. And so I commend the coaching staff for holding true to what they need. Now, I don't like all this attrition either. You know, I, I've done the math on this, and Robbie Falk figured up yesterday that we're at 65 scholarship players. Well, some of those guys are seniors. So you begin to do the math, and you realize we can only sign 26 next year. We're going to have a tough time getting to 83. We're going to have a very difficult time next year with the roster numbers. I mean, there are some people, I think, that have kind of said, well, you know, next year will be better. I think we will be a better team next year. But I also know this, we're going to be a really young team next year. And I also know that we're probably going to have a tough time putting an 83-man roster together. Yeah, I mean, we may award some walk-ons, some scholarships and things like that. Guys that have been around for a little while, but they're not going to be new players. They're not going to be – you can't go out there and, you know, sign free agency. There's some people thinking, oh, we can sign a huge class this year. We can sign 26. We have one initial counter remaining for the 2020 class. That'll go towards a mid-year signee, and then we'll count 25 for 2021. So we're going to add 26 players to the roster. Will there be some seniors come back? Maybe some, but not a lot. There's not going to be you – know, like in baseball, we got everybody back, I believe, with the exception of, I think, one be one guy. But, um, you know, with football, you begin to think about it. You know, we had, what, 16 scholarship seniors this year. Uh, what will Scott Lashley do? You know, that, that's that's a good question. You know, what, what will Darian Parker do? You know, Darian Parker may have a pro football future ahead of him, but uh, I'm told that he, he may come back for another year. Maybe he needs another year to kind of season himself and get used to this new offensive uh, pass set and then, uh, you know, boost his own NFL stock. I don't, I don't know what he's thinking. But there's some other guys, too, that, you know, they're on the scholarship roles that haven't played. Well, you know, you don't really gain anything by bringing those guys back. You know, there's some guys that are, that are seniors that have never really found a home position-wise, have never really made a major contribution. 
And so, yeah, they're a body. You know, they're out there in a uniform. They're also on the scholarship rolls and, uh, you know, basically getting an education for free and not contributing much on the football field. So you gain nothing by allowing those guys to come back for another year just to stand on the sidelines and be a glorified juice boy in uniform. But when you add 26 players to the mix, they'll be hungry. And they also, too, I think they, they come in and they embrace the new culture because it's all they know. I had somebody recently talk to me about the younger players, guys like Jaden Wally, guys like Jaquavius Marks, guys like Will Rogers. Well, you know, why are they performing at such a high level? Why is Emmanuel Forbes already starting as a true freshman? Why, do, why was he able to go take the job from a guy that's uh, been around a few years? And a lot of it's because this is what they know. This is the expectation. You know, they, they didn't have two years, uh, you know, under Joe Moorhead. And so there's not this change in philosophy. They show up from high school and all of a sudden, okay, this is what SEC coaching is about. This is what major college coaching does. And so I think they've embraced, for the most part, what they're being shared and taught because they're building the foundation for the future. But if you've been around, and this is your third head coach, you know, in your career, you've had a change in philosophy. You've had a change in practice schedule. I mean, there's been a lot of things that have changed. And you've done things the same way for the most part, let's say for four years. And then these new guys show up and say, hey, we're going to change this. We're going to do that. We're going to do this. It is only natural to have a little bit of of a rebellion. It's only natural. And to have a little bit of people to kind of reject that and say, well, that's not what we did before. We won a bunch of games in 2018 and we didn't do that. You know, you also had Jonathan Abram, Montez Sweat, and Jeffrey Simmons, mainly Jeffrey Simmons and John Abram out there kind of leading the charge. You had Nick Fitzgerald out there. You had people out there that have been around a little while, that have been through the wars, that understand that coaching is part of playing. Nobody shows up here a polished product. Everybody needs to improve. And when you embrace coaching, in turn, you have the opportunity to win and to improve your game. One of the worst things that ever happens in life and in work and in play and everything else is the person that shows up and thinks they're too good to take coaching. They're too good to take coaching. And there are a lot of people like that. I mean, you work with them every day. You got people around you, and they're just kind of getting by. You know, some people reach a comfortable standard of living, and they stop pushing. They don't get hungry. They don't add new things. They don't try to improve their skills. They never sharpen the saw. They just kind of keep doing what they're doing to get what they've always got. It's like that in football, too. It's like, well, this is what I've always done, and I've always been a pretty good player. Well, why not be a great player? Why not maybe admit that, you know what, maybe, maybe somebody knows more than me. Maybe somebody can get more from me. You know, we, we talk about John Hevesy a lot, and I suspect we will from now on and to the point that there will be young people that will be asking us, who's John Hevesy? And for those of you who don't know, John Hevesy was offensive line coach under Dan Mullen the entire time he was here. Dan told us from day one that Hevesy is kind of a gruff offensive line coach. I mean, that, that's who he is. That's exactly who he was. But no matter the recruiting failures and no matter how many times we hit or miss on kids, John Havasey coached the same way. John would not have made a good doctor. John doesn't have a good bedside manner. But John's a guy that understands there's some guys you got to drive. There's some you can lead, others you have to drive. People respond to coaching in different ways. But you know what? John had a standard and said, this is what we're going to do. And if you don't do it, you're not going to play. Yeah, Mullen was a little bit like that, too. Now, Mullen sometimes favored the older guys, you know, the veterans, because, you know, you've you've got a a level of trust with those guys. But, you know, John Hevesy was not a great recruiter. 
John was sometimes a little bit impatient, a little too quick on the gong. You know, if he got a little resistance, sometimes he wasn't willing to get in there and fight out in the streets for a guy. But when he had the guys he had, he pushed them and pushed them and pushed them. And there were times they hated him. But you know what? They played hard for him. They may have played hard for him out of respect, or they may have played hard for him out of fear, but the bottom line is they played hard for him. They paved the way for us to be number one in the nation. And you think that was an especially talented group? You're wrong. You had Rufus Warren playing left tackle, you know, a converted tight end. Gabe Jackson, of course, still out there knocking people out in the NFL, probably the best guard in the country that year. Dylan Day was a two-star kid that we took from Louisiana Tech on signing day. Ben Beckler was a walk-on that we beat Holmes Community College for. Then you had what, you know, the times you had what Charles Sidaway out there. You know, I mean, it's like you begin to kind of put, you know, figure this thing out. Addison Lawrence, I guess, was the guy from Magnolia Heights. We beat out a couple of G5 schools for him. But, you know, they, they were all Mississippi guys that kind of paved the way to do some big things with the exception of Dylan Day. But none of those guys were blue chip recruits. I mean, you could argue that Gabe Jackson, you know, and he was a three-star guy. Gabe Jackson had a bunch of offers, OSU, Auburn, and many other schools, but chose to go to Mississippi State. But it's one of those things you look at in hindsight and say, why were we so good? Okay, we're recruiting at a higher level of offensive linemen now. Marcus Johnson did a great job for two years, I think, you know, uh, recruiting and kind of selling the brand. You get five-star Charles Cross in here and some other guys. And so you look at it and say, okay, we've got a young nucleus here, but why was it better then? Why, why, was, why, was the, why did the offensive line play better under Hevis, Helena Denner, or Marcus Johnson? And I'm not being critical of Marcus Johnson. I think Marcus Johnson is a tremendous coach. I think Marcus Johnson's a great recruiter and a great man, even though he went to Ole Miss. I, I really think a lot of Marcus. I really, really do. Um, but you had a culture shift. You know, John comes in here and will, you know, I've seen John Hevesy get out there with no pads on and get out there in an offensive line drill and then do the drill. You know, he didn't care if you hit him. He didn't care. And a lot of that was kind of sending a message. It's like, if I can get out here and, you know, in a T-shirt and shorts and get out here and move people around, why can't you do it in full pads? Marcus gets here, and Marcus is not a yeller. Marcus is a teacher. Uh, but Marcus didn't have that same edge to him as a coach that maybe John did. And again, I'm not being critical of Marcus. I'm just telling you, it's a, it a shift in culture. And so the next thing you know, you know, we, we play a little bit soft and we go up there to Kentucky and we get our brains beat in, despite the fact that we had the better team. And I don't, you can save your, your emails. We were the better team in 2018. And we went up there and all those stupid personal foul penalties, uh, you know, that was all self inflicted. And not to mention the fact that our offensive line uh, played like that we were lining up playing against the Louisiana School of Math and Science. And Kentucky ran all over us. They came out there and completely annihilated our offensive line. And that's when that group kind of realized, you know what? we got to get back and playing like we know how to play. Elton Jenkins was big, kind of leading that group and kind of, you know, bringing that edge. But, again, that's a, that's a John Hevesy disciple right there. And so you're going through some of that now. You're going through, you know, we had a couple of years where things were a little bit lax. You know, we'd go to the water slide and that sort of stuff. Set of practice. I'm not- Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, 
and we go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scoot. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing, the versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year, managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup, putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. I say you can't take a day off every now and again. Those pictures are always fun to look at. But at the end of the day, I mean, we're going through some growing pains right now. It's part of the deal. And if you've ever worked in retail or if you've ever taken over a troubled corporation or if you've ever you know, had a a troubled location, you go in there and you're Mr. Fix-It or Mrs. Fix-It, you understand sometimes you got to make some difficult decisions and there are times you got to run the whole place by yourself. That's one thing I used to tell my employees years ago is I like all of you, but I don't need you. This situation is a little bit different because we got to go put a football team on the field. But there has to be that same kind of mindset. It's like if you have a vision, you have to believe in that vision. You can't compromise the vision. you got to do what you do. All right, today's top 10 list brought to you by the folks at MyBookie. And uh, listen, these guys have been with me a long time, back and forth. As a matter of fact, one of the last people that were with me uh, before the quarantine went all crazy. And it's been a weird year. I mean, as we all know, college football starts late. NBA plays without fans in a bubble. Uh, UFC did kind of a similar thing with Fight Island. It's, it's been a year like any other. So you need a sports book with offers unlike any other. Get some skin in the game with my bookie odds, boost, lightning deals, and free bets await all season. And with Turkey Day around the corner, there's really no better time to feast on NFL action. 
Whether you're a first-time customer or been playing with MyBookie for years, there's no shortage of value to be found in the thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, and contests they offer each week. Sign up and get reloaded today. Find an edge, make your bet, get paid. They also boast a fully-fledged casino platform, giving you access to all the classic table slot and card games you'd expect to find at your local casino. And the best part is, MyBookie, the doors never close, so you can properly social distance but still cash in. Make the right play today and sign up at MyBookie. When you do, use promo code BONEYARD. That's right, BONEYARD, to get your deposit matched halfway, all the way up to 1000 bucks. Terms are simple. You put in 200 bucks, they'll give you 100 bucks of house money to work with. If you're already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money to work with. It's winning season at MyBookie, so come join in all the fun and win some cash while you're at it. So recently, uh, somebody did some work here in my office, had to use the computer, one of my helpers, you know, and uh, they moved my list around. And so I couldn't find my list of boneyards. And so I don't know who the last person to recommend Queen was. But there have been about a half dozen of you that said, Steve, let's do Queen. Uh, I, I love the fact that Bohemian Rhapsody, the movie, has turned a new generation of fans onto Queen. Uh, when I was a young person, Queen was without a doubt my favorite band. I was a Kiss fan, and then Queen kind of came into prominence for me. And uh, so in 1980, when I was just eight years old, I took my birthday money and gave it all to my stepdad because I went to McClellan's and uh, bought Queen the game. It's the first LP I'd ever bought. I had some 45s. But I used every bit of my birthday money, everything I could find, every nickel and dime that I could scratch up. And he, I think he paid the tax on it because I didn't understand how the world worked in the third grade. Uh, but I got bought Queen the game. And uh, one of my favorite songs is on there of all time. And uh, so Queen was so important to me as a young person. I thought they were the greatest. And so I got a chance to bring my kids with me to go watch Bohemian Rhapsody when they were first, you know, Putting that movie together, I told everybody, I said, you got to go with me because you got to be turned on to the magic that is Freddie Mercury, who is the greatest front man of all time. David Murray argues with me and says, Mick Jagger, I disagree. Freddie Mercury, much more vocal range, quite the showman. No disrespect to Mick Jagger, but Freddie's a much better singer. Some suggest Roger Daltrey. I absolutely scoff at the suggestion. All right, so here's the top 10 Queen songs, according to me. I got a few honorable mentions I want to run down for you before we get to the list. So we'll go quickly. One Vision, Hammer to Fall, Don't Stop Me Now, You're My Best Friend, Flash. I went to that movie, too. It was tremendous as a kid. Flash Gordon. Man, it's incredible. Radio Gaga. And there's so much of that. Oh, my gosh. You talk about a song that could be released today when I hear all these people share their stuff. It's Radio Gaga. A Kind of Magic, I Want to Break Free, and Who Wants to Live Forever. So here's the top 10. Number 10 for me is Under Pressure with David Bowie. Of course, that was famously sampled by Vanilla Ice for Ice Ice Baby. But uh, Under Pressure, great tune. Number nine, off of the game album. Kind of Queen's uh, homage of sorts to Elvis Presley. Because Freddie kind of sang it as Elvis would have. Crazy little thing called Love. Number eight, the Duty Noble Classic. Wherever you are, Brent Blaylock, God bless you. Fat Bottom Girls, you make the rocking world go round. Truer words have never been spoken. Uh, number seven, Somebody to Love. And I actually love, believe it or not, I love George Michael's version of this. When they, uh, they had the concert at Wembley for AIDS relief and, and he came out and sang Somebody to Love, it was uh, phenomenal. And Freddie would have been very, very pleased. 
but uh, somebody to love. A great tune. And we've all been there, but I love the harmonies with which that song opens. And that's one of the things I think that kind of separated Queen or those four-part harmonies. Nobody did that back then. Number six, I want it all. And I do. I, I think it's a song of inspiration and empowerment. You know, that we talk about finding a comfortable standard of living and kind of staying there. I want it all. It's kind of one of those songs like, you know what, I, I'm not going to be satisfied just being okay. I want to be great. Number five, this is uh, probably my daughter Mia's favorite Queen song. It's Killer Queen. And uh, it was a huge hit for them right out of the gate. And a lot of people thought they'll never be able to match that. Well, they did. And then some. And so we get down here to the final four, and I think most people will agree it's the final four. It's just a matter of, of it, can we agree on the order? And I would say probably not. Number four for me is the standard, We Are the Champions. Uh, it's a great tune, and uh, it's a very personal song you know, to Freddie Mercury. I love that part in the movie when uh, they're playing you know, Live Aid, and uh, he says, uh, you've given me fame and fortune and everything that goes with it. I thank you all. And uh, he was so sincere and how he sang that. It wasn't just lyrics. And of course, Freddie was very, very sick at the time. So it probably meant a little bit more to him than usual. Number three, my the song that really pulled me into Queen, that made me go by the game, was another one, Bites of Dust, written uh, by Dickie. Great tune, uh, a standard. A lot of people said, oh, you know, it's kind of a disco song. Wrong. It's a rock track, man. Love that song. Number two, speaking of rock songs, the anthemic, We Will Rock You. I don't know how anybody can't love that song. I mean, I'm not saying, okay, well, I've heard it and I like it. Okay. How can you not love that song? You get in your car, you, you cranked up the volume way too loud, and you put that thing on, and uh, it'll get you going. It'll get your heart racing. It's an incredible song. Brian May, it's his creation. They were a great live band, and, and uh, you go back and look at those YouTube videos as you can find them out there, and uh, We Will Rock You was always one of the highlights. But number one, it's Bohemian Rhapsody, and uh, it's unlike anything in the world. Even and You can just imagine back then, too, when they, when they did A Night at the Opera, you know, a lot of people were expecting them to just kind of continue to be a rock band, and you know, Freddie, of course, began to kind of expound the horizons of the band a little bit. But uh, when Wayne's World came out, it was like a generation of, of my generation. You know, really, there were a lot of fans that, uh, that maybe kind of knew We Will Rock You and No One Bites the Dust and just kind of knew the hits. When Wayne's World came out and, um, and Garth and Wayne and the crew were in the pacer and uh, kind of headbanged to Bohemian Rhapsody, it turned kind of my generation back onto Queen and uh, kind of put them back into the forefront of life. And now the movie has come out. And so my hope is that the Queen's music lives forever. That's my top 10 list. You may have your own top 10 list, but yours would be wrong unless it mirrors mine. If you have suggestions for the top 10 list, please send them along. I'm always happy to review them, and I'll do most of them. Had some other ideas today, but again, somebody moved my list. I'll have to find that. So if you have uh, suggestions, please reach out. And the feedback about the Stevie B list is pretty good. You know, it's kind of, I know it's kind of a niche thing that, you know, a lot of people probably never even heard Stevie B before. So I appreciate your comments. Um, but yeah, this is one, Queen is one I think that we can all kind of get behind. Our friends at Manscaped, uh, they're back again, reminding you it's the, uh, the, the fall and, and winter holidays get here. Don't carve up your own pumpkins when you're grooming. You know exactly what we're talking about there. In fact, Manscaped is on a mission to change the way that you approach caring for your most intimate areas. And great news, they just released their products and 
the UK, Canada, and Australia. And let's not forget, it's about the best trimmer in the world. With the Lawnmower 3.0, the trimmer offers a replaceable ceramic bed with advanced skin-safe technology, which helps reduce grooming accidents. Their new Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer uses the same skin-safe technology when you're, you're, you're trimming those delicate nose hairs of yours. And that stinks, man. I don't know why it is as you get older that's become more of an issue. I don't remember having to deal with that when I was a young man, but I'm having to deal with it now. I hate it. Uh, the Crop Care Kit includes Crop Preserver. Everyone knows that uh, pumpkin spice lattes and deodorant go hand-in-hand. Hand. And so Crop Cleanser Body Wash, a full body wash that you can also use on your hair. Crop mop ball wipes, you never know when an opportunity strikes, so you could always be prepared. Uh, plus, you don't want to stink when you sit around a Thanksgiving dinner table. If you suffer from stank foot, many of you do. Your friends are just too scared to tell you, so I will tell you because I love you. Uh, some of you have been wearing the same old uh, shoes for a long time, and uh, the stink of the shoes is now on your feet. You can fix that with the foot duster uh, foot deodorant. That's a free gift. Cooling tea tree oil offers a pleasant experience for the nastiest of feet. And allows you to take off your shoes in confidence. Manscaped Refined Cologne is a cost-effective way to smell clean and fresh for your date. Crop Cleanser Hair and Body Wash designed with aloe vera and sea salt to leave your skin clean, fresh, and moisturized and reinvigorated. If you're looking to get involved and to kind of improve your, your, your grooming men, if you're looking to kind of upgrade yourself, kind of put yourself in a, in a better situation, visit the folks at manscaped.com. And use promo code BONEYARD. They'll get you 20% off and free shipping. Again, that's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Promo code BONEYARD. Make yourself and your manscaping a priority this fall. Let's take a look around the league. You know, it's an abbreviated schedule. Just three games are going to be played. And um, and listen, I think they're all going to be pretty entertaining for the most part. I mean, I think Kentucky and Bandy's a bit of a snooze fest. But um uh, you know, Kentucky struggles to score offensively, but I thought Vanderbilt, you know, showed a little bit of a running game last week. I think that'll be awfully interesting. Kentucky has really struggled offensively, so I I could see this being a 17-13 type game. I don't, I don't think it will be. I think Kentucky will be able to out-athlete Vanderbilt a little bit, and it's in Lexington, and so I don't think Vandy's ready to go uh, by any stretch of imagination. But, uh, you know, they're struggling to put a team on the field up there in Nashville with some of the same issues that we're dealing with. And so it'll be interesting to see, you know, kind of what they do. They'll have some players that uh, that were out that hopefully will be back for them this week. But, um, you know, Vanderbilt's just not good. I mean, they're not – They've some weeks are awful and some weeks are just kind of bad. But, um, you know, Kentucky should find a way to win this ballgame. Kentucky's so up and down. I mean, I, I still think they're, they're staring a losing season right in the face. Uh, looking here at Arkansas and Florida – Man, I think that's going to be a good game. Man, that I think that could be the most entertaining game uh, of the weekend. I like Sam Pittman. I like this Arkansas team. I, I do. I, I didn't expect to like them as much as I do. I'm a Rakeem Boyd fan. Maybe it's because of Last Chance U. But I, I, I really like Rakeem Boyd. And then they get Felipe Franks to come in, and they had those young wide receivers, you know, and so you begin to think, okay, they've got some skill stuff at on offense. Can they piece it together on defense? Because last year – they were absolutely dreadful. Barry Odom's done a great job. Florida's riding high after finally getting over the hump to beat Georgia, Georgia, and it would probably be the most Dan Mullen thing of all time to beat Georgia and take control of the East and then lose to Arkansas the next week. 
I would not be the least bit surprised to see that happen. I think in the end that Florida is just too fast. I think their team speed is too good. But that Arkansas secondary, very, very, very good. And I think you also have to factor in the revenge factor of Felipe Franks. That's going to be the real chore, I think, for uh, Sam Pittman and his staff is getting Felipe Franks to kind of play within himself and not get all emotional about going back to the swamp because you know he wants this one most of all, right? Give the kid some credit, man. Felipe Franks has kind of uh, kind of transformed his career. He was kind of on a scrap people college football. Now people are talking about that uh, the potential for him to be drafted next year, which is kind of amazing when you look at how far he's come. And then, of course, the, uh, the nightcap, uh, Ole Miss – and South Carolina. A couple of weeks ago, I, I kind of convinced myself South Carolina could pull, play with Ole Miss. Uh, Ole Miss is so bad defensively, you, you can't rule anything out. I just don't think that uh, South Carolina can consistently match up with Ole Miss on defense. I think that uh, I think Matt Corral's playing good football. They've kind of simplified his reads a little bit. You know, there's you know, there's some you know ten and fifteen yard outs, but a lot of things are in the middle of the field. They kind of give him a lot to work with there with Elijah Moore. Uh, and that's really the thing. It's, can you take Elijah Moore away and make somebody else beat you? I don't know that South Carolina has the, the athletes to match up uh, in a secondary. Now, Muschamp and his crew will have a game plan together. And, uh, you know, if Ole Miss, you know, because they've been a little bit up and down too, you know, if they play like they did against Arkansas, they're going to lose the ball game. But I think in the end that South Carolina is going to – they're going to find some ways to keep this thing close and probably lose it late. So I, I like Ole Miss. So your winners this weekend, Kentucky, Florida – and Ole Miss, and I'm happy to have some SEC football to talk about. Uh, wish we had seven games, but, uh, you know, listen, maybe it'll be the season that never ends. We'll just keep on postponing and playing, and we'll play three here and four there, whatever. Uh, but be that as it may, and I know that's your favorite phrase, you know, we still got some football to watch, and so I'm looking forward to doing that. Uh, Campus Bookmark, longtime sponsors of the show, man, and uh, we'll be there soon again. They are um, – you know, happy to serve you. A lot of people, listen, a lot of people have kind of been somewhat reluctant to spend money this year, but everybody needs Christmas presents. Everybody's going to celebrate Christmas. And you know what? Who knows what we're going to be facing next year as far as lockdowns and all that sort of stuff. Who knows what's going to happen? So let's celebrate the holidays as best we can. Be safe. Protect yourself. Don't put yourself at risk. But uh, you know you want to give your loved ones something fresh and something new for Christmas. And Campus Bookmart can help you with every Bulldog fan on your list. Go to campusbookmart.net and use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. But uh, Stan and Man, Miss Kathy Brown, lovely, talented Susie, everybody up there will take good care of you and all those that you love. Uh, and they, they'll ship all over. They'll, they'll get it out there to you. And, uh, again, anything that you need, MSU-related, you can find right there at campusbookmart.net. All right, so let's talk a little bit of recruiting because we, you know, we've basically got a little over a month left for the December signing periods here. We spoke earlier this week about offensive line recruiting down to really one spot, and I think State's in a pretty good position with, uh, with Austin Barber, offensive tackle out of Trinity Christian there in Jacksonville, Florida. Still kind of working through some things, uh, but um, – Defensive line recruiting, you know, there really there's been, you know, three prominent high school names that have been mentioned, you know, for the last few weeks for those spots. And, you know, we're going to take two more defensive linemen. I think ideally we'd like to find an older guy. You might end up taking three defensive linemen in the class. If, if like, if you could get a grad transfer or a JUCO guy to come in, because we really need an older guy that could generate some pass rush. We discussed it on the show before. But you also have to have some developmental guys in there. 
I like what I'm hearing about Ty Cooper now out of uh, out of Louisville High School. That's been back and forth between State and Ole Miss. And listen, I'm going to be honest with you. If Deke Adams wasn't at Ole Miss, Ole Miss would not even be in the picture here. That just shows you what a great job that he's done. The fact that he's made it close at all uh, is really a tribute to Deke and how hard he works and what a great recruiter that he is. This situation with Mississippi State, Mississippi State's been on him the longest. State's offered him sooner. Uh, and there's some people around him that are Mississippi State people, people that have influence. There are some other people in his life that are Ole Miss fans that don't have the same level of influence. But it's been a back-and-forth deal. As of right now, State appears to have a little bit of the lead. And it's been it's, an, it's been some ebb and flow with this. You know, and that's the thing, too, you look at without in-person visits and without official visits, you know, how do you kind of change your standing with a recruit? You know, you don't get the wow factor. I mean, there's only so many Zoom calls you can have and how many FaceTime events you can have and how many times you can talk on social media. I mean, you know, at some point you've kind of done it all and said it all. you got to keep doing it. But, you know, you don't have that exclamation point for your recruiting statement when you don't have the official visits. You don't have the ability to walk in to, you know, and sit down on mama's couch and be able to talk about, hey, this is our plan for your child and his education. This is what we're going to do. And that way mom and and dad and everybody kind of walks away feeling, you know what, I've got a good vibe from them. I believe them. I have a good rapport and a great relationship with them. I am entrusting my child into these people's hands. And I can feel good about doing that. It's so hard to do that and to develop a relationship over social media. It's so hard to do that electronically and virtually. There's just something about being able to sit across from each other at a table and look each other in the eye to kind of find out you can trust one another. And so you miss that. And so the flip side of that is, is if you're leading, how does somebody kind of catch you? How, how do they do anything different down the stretch that they haven't done already? to make an impact because everybody is so limited at this point. And so that's the thing with, with Ty Cooper is we're jockeying for position late. And uh, listen, he may not sign in December. He has the, the, the ability to graduate in December. Don't know that he will. This is a big decision for him. He's got people on both sides you know, that he loves that uh, he's going to have to tell somebody no. And that's, that's difficult for young people for the very first time is to say, you know what, I'm going to do what's best for me. Because a lot of times, you know, you're, you're always seeking approval. You know what I'm saying? Especially the, the adults in your life. You're like, oh, you know, we're going to do a great job. We're going to do this. And then when there's people in your life that are kind of adverse about this, you don't want to disappoint anybody, but ultimately you have to. And I think Ty Cooper's kind of in that situation. I really like Ty Cooper. A lot of people have asked me, who do you kind of compare him to? He reminds me a little bit of Ryan Brown, a little bit. But uh, you know, I, th- I think he's kind of his own guy. I do think he can be a productive player in the SEC. I, I don't see him as a Jeff Simmons or a Montez Sweat type guy. I know some people always want to kind of throw labels around like that. But uh, I don't think that, that he is that caliber of player. Uh, I do think he has the potential to play football for a long time. It just kind of depends on how, how much he's willing to work. Jaden Jones is a guy that I really like a lot because you know, he has NFL type size. I mean, he is a absolute monster. He is a guy that does a great first step, and he's about six six, and uh, a guy that too that uh, has kind of uh, flown under the radar a little bit for the in-state schools there in Alabama. He's out of Montgomery. It's been state in Nebraska for a while, but I've had some people tell me that they really like where Mississippi State sits right now. Uh, so could it be a Jaden Jones Ty Cooper thing? Yeah, po- possibly. You know, if you don't get an older safety, pardon me, an older defensive end, and you have to go this route, you could do worse than these two guys. I firmly believe both these guys will be very productive players in the Southeastern Conference. 
you, you might even use one of your other spots, maybe that spot for Cortez Eatman, and use that for, uh, you know, for a grad transfer defensive end. I, th- I think we're going to need an older guy there. I think it's pretty apparent because I think Kobe Jones and Marquis Spencer are going to be playing the NFL football next year. But, uh, yeah, so you could see, you know, some more – one more scholarship possibly committed to the defensive line when it's all said and done. We've said all along we thought it would be three, but I think with the, you know, kind of the changing of priorities over the course of a season, you could see four. If you can get a grad transfer guy that's kind of a one-off that can kind of serve as a stopgap guy. DeMarcus Smith's a guy we've talked about, some former Ole Miss commitment. Uh, and, you know, I am continue to hear not to count Ole Miss out in this deal. I know State obviously has been in there, and, and then Jeremy Pruitt, of course, has some uh, connections there. And Tennessee has not really made him a priority, but they're still kind of recruiting him. And so I've been told to watch Tennessee late, that they may make a late push. They're probably waiting for the traffic to clear just a little bit before they uh, kind of make a decision to move ahead with him. But, um, you know, State's in there, and I, he's a good player. No Miss is in there, too. Somebody is going to get a long range defensive end. It's going to be, good, be a, a good pass rusher, potentially an elite pass rusher if he develops as expected. Uh, but, you know, again, he backed off his Ole Miss commitment. He maintains a relationship with them, so they're not out of it by any stretch. But I think when you look at these three high school defensive linemen, you think, okay, if State can get two of those three, they've done exceptionally well. I think that when you look at what you have, Trevon Marshall is a bit of a, uh, you know, of a raw guy. I uh, really like his game, but, you know, he is definitely a developmental guy. I think Jaden Jones, Ty Cooper probably have a little higher ceiling. But if you can get either two of these three, I think you look back in hindsight and say, considering the fact that we had such a lack of defensive linemen in the state this year, and we're able to meet those needs with some elite guys, um, you know, some guys with some long-term potential that have a chance to be elite pass rushers. I think you look back in hindsight and say, you know what, under the circumstances, we did exceptionally well. Where things go from there kind of remains to be seen. But um, like the options we have right now, I don't say that I love those options. I like them. I think they are good players. I don't love them and think, this is a guy you build a defense around. This is a guy that changes the culture of your program. This is a guy that from day one shows up and uh, is a difference maker. I don't think that's kind of where we are with these guys. I think we've got guys that uh, can come in and work hard and develop and be very productive players over their four years on the college level. And sometimes that's the best you can hope for. And I think the fact that we only have really one power five defensive lineman in the state of Mississippi this year you got to go get him, and that's Ty Cooper. Some of you have considered moving to Starkville. Some of you live in Starkville or considering relocating. Give our friends at Portico an opportunity to, to help you. Uh, there's a lot of good options out there, and uh, we think Portico might be the right place for you. If you think it could be the right place for you, let me give you some information to kind of allow you to figure that thing out. It's right there off Garrett Road, right behind uh, you know the dealership out there by the Hilton Garden Inn. That's the Jeep, Chrysler Jeep dealership out there. It's just over a mile from campus. I mean, it's right there at 2582. I mean, it, it is so easy to get to and from. There will be 51 houses total in the development with 18 houses in the first phase. They're approaching move-in condition already. Be 33 houses in the second phase, and that construction is going to start right after the turn of the year. Houses will range from 1,300 to 2,000 square feet, from two-bedroom, two-baths, all the way up to four-bedroom, four-bath. Portico includes a walking trail and a pavilion area. Brooks Bryan, one of our favorite diamond dogs from over the years, Brooks Bryan's one of the developers, a guy that knows Starkville and loves Starkville 
And I, listen, I'm a firm believer in doing business with Bulldogs whenever you can, and Brooks is definitely one of those. If you didn't know this, Brooks robbed a home run against the University of Washington to send us to Omaha. When you call him and inquire about Portico, I'm sure he'll be happy to tell you about it. You may not even need to bring it up. But you can contact him at 601-416-8075. Again, at 601-416-8075. All right, yesterday had to be a, kind of a busy day. I didn't expect to have a busy day. turned into one. But uh, spent some time down at the Starkville Library, and uh, we did a Zoom call. They interviewed me, and we talked about books. We talked about life. We talked about Mississippi State. Uh, talked a little bit about recovery, and uh, that's going to be available on their Facebook page. When it's made available, I will I will share it on mine. You, you feel free to go watch that, and uh, it was a lot of fun. We're going to be doing a lot more of that stuff in the future, but uh, I also want to share with you guys, too. I started another podcast that is not about Mississippi State. It is about recovery, as you guys that have followed the show for a while know, that uh, if I make it to December 10th, and there's a good chance that I will, but I take nothing for granted. If I make it to December 10th, it'll be 29 years clean and sober for me. And uh, there have been some people that have asked. I, I do a lot of speaker meetings, but, uh, of course, this year it's been a little bit different. And uh, I get a lot from that. And so I decided to start a podcast about recovery. And I don't talk about any Mississippi State stuff. We don't do a top 10 list over there. I don't even have any. I haven't, haven't accepted any advertising offers just yet, but I'm going to. But uh I don't even know how the show's going to evolve, but we're going to talk recovery and we're going to talk about what it takes to get clean and sober and what it takes to stay clean and sober, uh, how to find a sponsor, how to get plugged into the recovery community. And there's so much need out there. It's incredible. I put the show out there yesterday and I uh, had kind of been putting it off for a couple of days because I, I, I was a little bit nervous, to be honest with you, not, not about my own anonymity because I've never been anonymous. But just I want to do a good job on a subject matter. And so I was a little bit nervous that I wasn't prepared. I didn't make any notes. I just kind of spoke from the heart. And uh, the response has been overwhelming. And uh, within two or three hours of the show being out, I had basically a dozen messages from people that are dealing with something like that or people that are in recovery that said, hey, man, listen, we've been needing something like this. And could you talk about this? Could you talk about that? If you have questions about that, reach out to me on social media. I'm happy to discuss it. I'm very transparent when it comes to recovery. And one of the reasons why, uh, it's not to praise anything that I have done, said, or chosen. It is to basically praise the people that saved me and gave me an opportunity for for a new life. And those people were complete strangers to me. And uh, I am so incredibly grateful to still be alive. I am so incredibly grateful to have a job that I love and have a great family that loves me and and, uh, so many things in my life. And every bit of that comes from the fact that uh, I made a decision to get clean and sober many years ago. Uh, The Betty Ford Clinic says that one in 25 people who actually need help get it. And then of that 25, of that one, one in 25 of those that actually get help have a period of sustained sobriety that exceeds a year. And so you're basically talking 4% of 4%. And so the odds are kind of stacked against us in many ways there. But I'm a firm believer is if you say this one in a million, then I'm going to be determined to be the one. And uh, I think that you can do the same thing as well. And so uh, I encourage you to go check it out. The name of the podcast is I Am Steve R. Distributions all being worked out. It'll be on iTunes. It's already on Google uh, Podcast and it's on uh, Amazon, some other places. But um uh, It'll be on iTunes soon, and you can always find it 
uh, over on Red Circle or uh, Radio Public, and then my Facebook feeds and all my socials. I push that stuff out, and so I am so incredibly grateful uh, for second chances. Uh, one of the things that I've learned through the years is that the graveyard is half filled with people uh, who didn't get a second chance, and the other half is filled with people who got a second chance and didn't take advantage of it. And so, uh, I encourage you. If you're a person that needs help, please reach out to get it. As I mentioned yesterday on the show, I deluded myself into thinking that all the people that loved me were so far away from me that I was ostracized and on an island unto myself. And when I reached out, they weren't even at arm's length. As I began to reach in their direction, there were several hands to grab me and help pull me from that abyss. And so I know at some point everybody's life is impacted by addiction, whether it be somebody that you know that you work with, somebody in your family. And, and, and one of the things in Mississippi, we, there are certain things we don't talk about. Addiction sometimes is one of them. And so I'm happy to be a proponent for the still-suffering addict and those who love them. Next week, we'll get back and we'll talk a little more about Mississippi State. Hopefully, we're playing a football game next week, and I've already made my arrangements to go to the University of Georgia. Uh, I have covered a Mississippi State football game in 11 SEC stadiums. Georgia is one of the three that I have not. So I hope to knock that off the list. Uh, so for selfish reasons, I hope we do play next weekend. Uh, and then I'll, I'll still have the swamp in South Carolina to go. And uh, that's kind of a bucket list thing for me to be able to go do that. And, and uh, listen, I don't give us a lot of hope to win that ball game. But I do believe that as anemic as Georgia's offense can be at times and as good as our defense can be at times, that we've got a chance to at least go over there and make that a competitive ball game. But I'm going to get out of here today. I thank you guys so much for your support of the Boneyard. If you're looking for books, go to alphadogsthebook.com. You can get Flim Flam, Stark Villains, and Alpha Dogs there. And you get personalized copies. I mean, you can get, I'll write whatever you want. And you get every bulldog on your list taken care of. And if you're looking for Stark Villains gear, and you darn sure should be, go to starkvillains.com. You can order T-shirts, hoodies. And uh, the kids love the hoodies, man. They do. And many adults do as well. So go check those out. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.